Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 2 this morning. Uh, if not, you can follow along in the screen, but here's what I want you to do. Lock in your focus. And when your focus drifts, refocus. But stay with this. I am going to be an active speaker, and I want you to be an active listener. The Bible says we should have ears to hear what the Spirit says to us. In Philippians 2, 5, God's Word says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, We Must Get Our Minds Right. Look at somebody and say, get it right. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for each person who's here today. Lord, I ask you to anoint my mouth and my mind to say things that would honor you. God, as we look to your holy, inspired word today, I pray that you'd be our teacher by your spirit. God, I pray that you would illuminate things that would encourage us and motivate us and create a sense of urgency in us to be and to do all that you've called us to be and to do. God, I pray that this day would be a day that would glorify you. And we ask you to lead us by your spirit in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We must get our minds right. Several years ago, Joyce Meyer wrote one of the best-selling books in Christian literature of all times called The Battlefield of the What? The Mind. And she made a gazillion dollars on the battlefield of the mind, study guides on the battlefield of the mind, uh, conferences, seminars, preaching uh, occasions based on this concept. But it is a biblical concept and a true concept that we need to understand. The majority of everything that happens starts in the mind. I've shared with you before, sometimes people will say, well, I... Um, let my mind start talking, or I let my mouth do the talking before I engage my mind. That's, that's just not true. You might have spoke too quickly. You might have spoke without thinking it out clearly. But you can't even open your mouth without your mind sending signals to your lips and your jaw to open your mouth. Are you following me? So much of, like, all of normal activity starts in the mind. And God has given us this mind for this activity, and he wants us to use it in the proper way, and we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. But before we get into that, I want to remind you, every year in the month of January, our church spends 21 days in prayer, fasting, and consecration. And people, different people engage in this 21 days at different levels. Some people do the whole role. Some people actually spend time fasting, spend time praying, and spend time consecrating their lives to God. Others take on some of the prayer, some of the fasting, some of the consecration. I don't know which level you choose to engage, but I want to remind you, we'll be here starting tonight at 6 o'clock praying. It is individual prayer in a corporate setting. For you have, that have never been, no one prays out loud. No one's called on to pray. No one is singled out. I open in prayer at 6 o'clock, and then I close in prayer at 7 o'clock, starting tomorrow. Only on Sundays will we be doing 6 o'clock. Don't get your times messed up. All, every night except Sunday is 7 o'clock, and I hope that you will try to come as much as you can. I'll say what I've always said. I don't expect you know, most people to be able to come every time we have something. Certainly 21 days in a row um, is, is a, a, a difficult process. We have lives to live. We have other things that we have to do, but if you can come, come. So I say come when you can and pray for us when you can't, but that's going to be starting. And as we prepare to start our 21 days of prayer tonight at six o'clock, I want us to consider what God says to us in this passage, because I think it'll get us ready and we need to get ready. Uh, Bishop Jakes has made a career off those two words, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. And the 
biblical truth is most people sitting in churches are not ready for God to move in their life. Most people sitting in churches are not ready to receive from God what God wants to give to them. But I want us to get ready for what is about to happen because every year that we've done this, for 21 years, every year that we've done this 21 days of fasting, we have seen miracles happen, we have seen breakthrough happen, and we have seen sporadically only in the lives of those who engaged in it. See, because for it to work, you, you got to do the work, right? Uh, the, the, the plan of God works if you work the plan. But if you just sit back and give half-hearted effort, you can only expect half-hearted results because we know the Bible says you reap what you sow. And so I know that we're going to see amazing things as a result of this 21 days in prayer. And you say, well, Pastor, how can you be so sure? Uh, do you have a gut feeling about it? Do you have a hunch? No, I'm not relying on gut feeling. Neither am I relying on a hunch. I am standing sure on the written word of God that cannot lie. And God promised to reward those who diligently seek him. And we are going to be diligently seeking. If you ever want to find out what real diligence looks like, try to come as often as you can over the next 21 days. And as we serve and seek God diligently, he's going to reward us in a big way. But let's look at what the passage says to us in the opening verse, Philippians 2, 5. The scripture says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, depending on the version of Scripture you read, and let me, let me just put a pin in that real quick and give my disclaimer that I always give because I have people ask me, Pastor, what version do you think is the best version of Scripture? And I've been telling people this for years. The best version of Scripture is the one that you read. I know some people who are King James-only snobs that only read, and I was in that camp for uh, over 20 years of my life. I was raised up that way. I was raised up that way that there was one version and many perversions. I, I was raised up and taught that the, the King James was tried and true and tested and had stood for hundreds of years. And every other one of these versions was written either in the 60s or 70s, which they were. Every one of these other versions written in the 60s or 70s were written by dope addicts who were full of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But by and by, I grew. Isn't that great? By and by, I matured. By and by, I, I learned. And here's what I learned. I was spending a lot of time teaching the Word of God to people, and I would come across uh, archaic words, words that hadn't been used in modern uh, language for hundreds of years. And I would spend time during the teaching to say, what that word right there means is this. And then I'd look in a modern translation and realize I could have just read it in a more modern translation and I could have spent less time explaining uh, word etymology, which is important, but I'm promising you this. And this, this, this was the clincher for me because I always said, you know, the, the Bible's not hard to understand if you fall in love with the author. I always told people that you can figure out these and thous, you just don't want to. I always told people that you, you can understand the King James if you let God give you the wisdom and just ask the Holy Spirit to be your teacher. But then I finally realized no amount of prayer, study, fasting, teaching, leaning on the Holy Ghost, or uh, in-depth study of the King James Version of the Bible is going to give you the understanding of what a paramour is. And it was through that one word that I decided... I just don't even need to read paramour. You can fast and pray. Holy God, please show me what a paramour is. All you got to do is pick up a dictionary. We need to learn to do the possible and, and let God do the impossible. So many people are expecting God to do things that we ourselves could do. Now, the word paramour, if you read that in the Bible, it says Solomon had many paramours. Now, if you know Solomon, you might be able to just piece that together through context clues. But no amount of prayer and fasting, God's not going to take a red magic marker and write on your study wall, paramour means sex slave. But if you read that in a modern translation, it would say Solomon had many sex slaves. So there's no need to get locked in to one version, and that's why I tell people the best version is the one that you read. Because if you're a King James only snob, uh, then but it just sits in your car, 
or on your counter or on your dresser and you never pick it up and read it, it's not helping you. Now, me personally, I love the King James Version. There are certain passages of Scripture when I read them in any other version, I think, man, I, just, I love that in the King James. And here's the reason why. It's because that's the version I started with. And it's called the, the law of first truth. When, when you first learn something, it tends to stick with you more greatly. But I'm thankful that I came into Christ on a King James Version Bible singing hymns. Young Christians can't understand what I'm talking about. When, when I read the 23rd Psalm, let, let me promise you this. I, I don't even really uh, spend any time reading the 23rd Psalm in any other version other than the King James Version. The King James Version literally, and I'm going to get back to what I'm talking about in a minute, it, but it's more majestic, it's more poetic, it sounds bigger than life. But here's the danger. A lot of people worship the version of the Bible they read instead of the God who gave it to us. A lot of people are what are called bibliolators. A bibliolator is someone who chooses to worship the Bible over God. And the devil would love to make you love your Bible so much that you become a bibliolator. And I'll give you a real quick example how you can know. I'll show you a relatable truth that hopefully you can understand the spiritual meaning. If you went to a restaurant and they gave you a menu and you read the menu and it was beautiful. And I mean, it was laid out of gorgeous pictures, definitions. I mean, just it just looked great. And the waitress or server came to you and said, are you ready to order? And you just said, no, I'm just going to sit here and enjoy looking at my menu. And then the, way the server came back five minutes later and said, are you ready? No, I just can't get over looking at this menu. And they would finally tell you, sir, ma'am, you do realize that the point of being here, the point of the menu is to get you to uh, order something to eat. And in many aspects, more so than uh, the, the word just say, but in many aspects, the Bible is the menu and Jesus is the meal. And so don't get so snobbish on what version you read because the best version to read is the one you read. Personally, I think the King James, the King James hits me in my heart better than any. I think the easiest to understand while staying true to biblical concepts because one version in particular, well, several versions in particular stray from true biblical concepts. Number one, the New International Version. I don't spend any of my time reading the New International Version. I don't study from it uh, because I don't believe it has great scholarship in the translation from the original languages to our modern language. The Message Bible. It's not even a Bible. It's a paraphrase. I don't spend any time studying in the Message Bible. I know many people who read the Message Bible, and I know people who have said the only version I was ever able to read through in a whole year was the Message Bible. Now, I don't typically tell them this in that conversation, but there's a reason why they weren't able to read any other version and they were able to get through the Message Bible. It's watered down. Um, but if that's the only thing you're going to read, that's great. If you're looking for the best scholarship, I think most theologians agree that the New American Standard Version is the most scholarly version of the Bible that we possess in English language. But let me say again, and I'll get back to the message. Which is the best version of the Bible for you to read? The one you read. Don't get stuck on your version and, and then don't read it. Whichever one you're going to read, that's the one that you need to read. And we, we come to this passage of Scripture, and I put this, I say that about the different versions, because depending on the version of Scripture you read, God's Word uses this phrase, let us. Say, let us. God uses this phrase, let us, about 100 or 270 times. It is one of the most quoted two-word phrases in all of Scripture, where God says, let us. And we've gone over different parts of Scripture as a Bible teaching church, and we, we've come to this phrase before, let us. And typically, I will tell you, when God says, let us, we have a choice. We have a choice to let it or what? Not let it. God says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, you've got a choice to make daily, minute by minute, second by second. Every day, Christians face this choice for 
86,400 seconds. What is 86,400 seconds? That's how many seconds are in a day. And sometimes it feels like that's how many times I have to let the mind of Christ be in me. Sometimes it's minute by minute. Sometimes it's hour by hour. But if you ever get saved for real and you really start serving God, you're going to find out choices come at you fast. Options come at you rapidly. The option to choose the mind of Christ to guide you or the option to be guided by your own mind. And one of the ways that I've seen most people understand this concept is comparatively. The comparison where you can give someone a piece of your mind in a given situation or you can give them the mind of Christ. Do you see the difference? Now, if, if you know somebody, um, let, let me, I, well, I'm not even going to pick on anybody because they'll get upset. But there are some people in this room that if you press them the wrong way, you might get more than you thought you were going to get. And if they were to just give you a full-fledged Thanksgiving-sized slice piece of their mind, you'd get your little feelings hurt. Uh-huh. I've had people tell me, Pastor, my boss been so flaky this week, I almost gave that woman a piece of my mind. Are you seeing the comparison? Does the world need us to give them a piece of our mind, or do they need to see the mind of Christ? But see, this is a choice. Say choice. That's why the scripture says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You have a choice. Sometimes you only have to make that choice once a day. But if you get around human beings, if you get around other people, if you interact with other humans, then you're going to have to make that choice many times in a day. Why is this? Because people will try you. Am I right? People will stress you. People will strain you. That's why I tell you, you can come to church on a Sunday morning, get your mind right, get your, get your life right, get filled up with the Holy Ghost, get in your car, get out on Blanding Boulevard, and whoo, 103rd Street, whoo, just these crazy drivers to take all the Holy Ghost right out of you. How? Because they give you a choice. Now, it's just wild to me. Now, see, I'm, I'm just going to admit it, and, and if you know me, if you've been around me any length of time, if you've ever driven, now this only happens when I go out of town. If you've ever driven with me out of town, I'm prone to do something while I drive that I don't recommend anybody else do. Anybody know what that is? I sleep. I'm prone to sleep. Well, I don't recommend it. I don't say it's a good thing. I'm just telling you me. And I just, hey, they put those little boom, 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 boom on the side of the road for me. I can't tell you the number of times my sister has been riding with me out of town to where she'll scream at me when I'm about to drive off into the abyss. I'll be like, oh, good looking out. I don't freak out. She shouldn't either. I sleep when I drive long distance. My children have kept me alive. My children have learned from the back seat from a small age, sitting behind big captain's chairs to look around it and keep their eye on the road play on their technology if they want to but keep one eye pinned on the road because dad's going to sleep not a great way to be uh, but it happens and you have the choice to stay awake through life or sleep through life I don't think it's a good idea to sleep through life. You have a choice to make when you are faced with uh, a, a a decision, a fork in the road, whether or not you're going to choose the mind of Christ or you're going to just do it your own way. This is this choice. Let it be in you. When God says let it happen, you can choose to not let it happen. And I am convinced, I am convinced, I am convinced that most of us operate in our own mind way more than we operate in the mind of Christ. Most of us choose our own thoughts, our own way. Most of us choose our, our own attitude more than we choose the mind of Christ. Because to choose to operate in the mind of Christ, you got to know how he thought. And this was always my deal when people would say, uh, you know, uh, have these bracelets and these T-shirts, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Well, it's easy for me to answer that question. He would do what he did. Because he's consistent, he's unchanging. And if you learn how Jesus thinks, then you can learn how you should think. 
But if you don't know how Jesus thinks, you can't know how you should think. If you don't know his thoughts, his attitudes, his moods. Listen, how many of y'all know people have moods? How many of y'all know some people's moods can get real stank real fast? You don't know stank? It's not good. But we have this, we have this choice to make. And sometimes it just feels like I keep making this choice over and over and over. And it doesn't matter how many times in a day you have to refocus your mind. You need to keep doing it. Well, these people, uh, these people try me. Okay. Well, don't you think they tried Jesus? Well, they just keep stepping to me. Well, don't you think they kept stepping to Jesus? Well, they need to keep, keep here, here, here's a great Here's a great ghettoism. You ready for this one? They, they just keep my name in their mouth. <laughs> they can't literally put your name in their mouth, but you know what I'm saying. You don't think they kept Jesus' name in their mouth? Everything that we use as excuses for why we get bent, Christ went through a thousand times more than we did. Well, they, 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 they just keep messing with me. They messed with him. They, well, they're hating on me for no reason. Jesus said, marvel not if the world hates you. They hated me first. And so we don't have excuses. And if you don't hear anything else, you need to hear this. We do not have an, a, a real excuse for choosing our way over his way. Every time we choose our way, it's because we decided to. And it's just like with my children. My children don't have to ask me much because they've been around me for a long time. They're not babies. They know what I would say. My children don't have to ask themselves. If Jake and Seth are sitting in the living room and they, you know, they see a football and they think, uh, they don't have to say, hey, brother, do you think dad would be okay if we just started throwing this football really hard at each other and dive over the couch when we catch it? Why don't they have to ask each other that? Because they know, they know how their father thinks. I know my mom well. My, one of the things I love so much about my mom, my mom don't live in a whole lot of gray area. She's just going to tell the truth. She's just going to say it how it is, and, and I love that. And I don't have to wonder, does my mom want me to throw rocks through her window? My mom, now, my, my mom was a young mother. She had me when she was uh, 21 years old. I ain't going to tell you how old I am, but uh, uh, how old she is, but I'm 58, and she's 21 years older than me. Okay? So that's not 78 or 80, but it's somewhere there in there. Um, she was a young mother, and she, she had a lot going on as a single mother trying to raise children. And sometimes my mother, I, I would say, you know, I'd play helpful. And if I was, if I, when I was unsaved, if I was being helpful to my mom, I was playing helpful. And I would play helpful, and I'd say, hey, mom. You know, when kids get, get that, that different tone in their voice and that different look on their face, they're scamming you. Hey, mom, would you like me to help you out and go to the store in your car and buy a gallon of milk? You heard that one before, Jessica? That's working that scale. Well, see, my mom's car at that time was a Mazda RX-7 with a five-speed. And I didn't give two cents about getting her some milk, but I just wanted to see had my clutch ability gotten so good that not only could I in first gear and in second gear, but in three out of five gears. But, see, I, I knew. Now, see, my mom wasn't thinking, I'm going to let this boy drive my car, go get me a gallon of milk, and hopefully he'll just strip the clutch out of my transmission and put my car in a ditch. But our mind often can be used to get us in trouble. Our mind can be used to run games on other people. Our minds can be used to do things that don't honor God. Are you following me? But you have a choice. You have a choice to let the mind of Christ guide you or to let yourself. Amy Grant, who was a phenomenal gospel singer in the early 80s, kind of life kind of went off the rails. I don't know what she's doing now. Hopefully she's back where she needs to be. But she had a song out called My Father's Eyes. And she wanted to see people 
through her father's eyes. She sang about seeing situations. And listen, if you live your life through your father's eyes, if you live your life thinking, how would Jesus respond in this particular case? And for us who are Christians, you don't need to fast and pray to know what God wants you to do. You don't need to lay on the ground, burn incense, chant, do a mantra, and beg the Holy Spirit to give you a vision. I know what my mom would say in 99% of the situations. My children know what I would say in 99% of the situations. And the average Christian knows what God would say and how Jesus would think in 99% of the situations. Is anybody following me? So when God says, let this mind be, well, how am I supposed to have the mind of Christ? We'll get to know him. Spend time with him. Listen to him. And then you won't have questions. I wonder. Some of y'all, I've had people tell me, that they are praying about whether or not they should leave their spouse. And I just tell them, you need to quit that praying. You're wasting time. Well, why why would you tell me not to pray, Pastor? Uh, I'm not telling you not to pray. I'm telling you not to waste time praying on stupid things. Nobody in this room needs to pray whether or not God wants them to rob the credit union on 103rd Street. Nobody in this room needs to pray whether or not God wants them to talk ugly to their co-workers. Nobody in this room needs to pray whether or not God wants them to leave their spouse. Because when God has put it in black and white writing, we already have written word of God to go on, on things. Those things are not prayable. Are you following me? Should, should we pray about whether or not we should steal? No, no reason to. God said, thou shalt not steal. Should we pray about whether or not we should commit adultery? No, there's no reason to. Now, you might need to pray and ask God to help you not to steal if stealing is in you. You you might need to pray and ask God to help you not commit adultery if adultery is in you. But we need to learn God so well. And this is only for Christians. And see, this is the cool thing about being a Christian. You get access to God that unsaved people don't have. That's one of the benefits of Christianity. You get power from God that unsaved people don't have. You see, as a Christian, you have two natures inside you. You've got the old person that you start out with, but you've got the new person too. And that's why the Scripture says over and over again to take off the old and to put on the new. See, unsaved people don't have anything new on the inside of them because you get that newness with the new birth. But as a Christian, you have access to the mind of God and learning the mind of God. And it's going to help you to be able to live out this verse of Scripture. And sometimes you got to make that choice many, many, many times a day. And I want you to be successful in 2022, letting the mind that governs your behavior, your thoughts, and your actions be the mind of Christ. Let's look at it. In the New Living Translation, it says you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So we see a a different slant on this same verse. You must have the same attitude. This is talking about mind, the mind of Christ that Christ Jesus had. Now, here's the reality. If I had my attitude checker on me and I started with Sonia and worked all the way back around to Terry in the back. And we just checked your attitude. How many of y'all think? Now, let's just, take a, let's just take a poll. Would we come up with more people who registered having the attitude Jesus has or having their own attitude? Uh, how many people think there's more people with their own attitude? Overwhelmingly. And, and at least we know that. Is that right or wrong? It's wrong. And we need to do better because if you want better in 2022, listen, this is going to be worth the price of admission. If you want better in 2022, you got to do better to get better. It's like the oldest oldest doctor joke in the world. We need to learn and and, and be smarter than that. The, The patient comes in and tells the doctor, hey, doctor, it hurts my elbow when I do like this. What did the doctor tell him? Well, stop doing like that. Common sense. Well, you know, Pastor Scott, every time um, I stop reading my Bible and stop being in church on a regular basis, every time I stop praying and praising God like I should, my life starts falling apart. Uh, Well, stop doing like that. We, 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 need, we need to learn God, and we need to have the same attitude about things that Jesus has about things. Now, here's the reality. I don't know what Jesus' attitude is 
about a Mustang or a Camaro. See, because there are Mustang people in this world and there are Camaro people in this world. I don't know what Jesus' attitude is about a Ford truck or a Chevy. Now, I've got an idea about a Ford truck or a Chevy truck. Uh, one of them has been the best-selling truck for 42 years in America, and the other one hasn't ever. But um, it doesn't say in the Bible, Ford or Chevy, Dodge or GM. But I know the big things. I know how Jesus thinks I should think about people. I know what Jesus thinks about how I should live my life. And so I'm going to tell you again, if you want better, do better. I want 2022 to be the best year you've ever had. But to have a great harvest, you've got to plant a great crop. And most of us haven't planted the right things in our life. Planting seed is, is, is the actions that we give. And what you put out is going to come back to you. And we need to not only worry about our actions... Because sometimes we just use our willpower to do the right thing. We need to focus on our attitudes because that's something that people can't see. I, 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 can't, I can't always, now sometimes I can see the attitude that my children have, but I, don't, I can't always see the attitude that they have even when they're doing right. But the Bible says man looks on the outward and God looks on the heart. God not only knows whether or not you do the right thing, he knows what your attitude is as you're doing it. So what I want to see people, I want to see more people show up for food and clothing. That would be great. But it would be greater yet still if they showed up with the right attitude. <laughs> Y'all don't hear me. I, I want more people to show up and serve on the, on the praise and worship team. Some of y'all can sing and y'all won't come up here and sing. Do you realize God is going to hold you accountable for that? He already said we must all appear to, uh, before the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, but... I, I don't just want people to show up for praise and worship practice. I want people to show up with a good attitude because God says you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So here's the reality. You could live, if you're saved, you could live the largest portion of your life on this one verse just by checking this verse. Write it down, put it on the visor in your car. Write it on a 3 by 5 card, stick it to your mirror. Put it in your Bible, underline it in your Bible. Whatever you have to do to keep this verse in the forefront of your mind because it says you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Now, on Wednesday nights, we do a lot of interactive, deep discussion, deep study of the Bible. And one of the things we've looked at is when we study the Scripture, look for questions. Look for commands. Uh, look for promises. When God says you must do something, uh, is, is that a promise or a command? It's a command. So when God says you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, if in any area of your life you find your attitude being less than, different than, the way Christ's attitude would be in the same situation, hear me good. You ought to ring the bell and say, I just Sin. Ding, 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 ding. I just chose to sin against a holy God. When, when somebody comes up to you and presents you with a difficult situation, if you choose wrong, you ought to ring the ding, 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 ding. I'm deficient as a Christian. I chose to willfully sin against my father. But if somebody presents you with, an, with, with a situation and you choose to have the same attitude that Jesus would have, you ought to ring the bell too. Ding, 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 ding. I just made the right choice. Because your life is about choices. It's not a big mystery why some people fin finish life in certain places and others finish in others. And it's easy to blame everybody in the world. It's easy. I, I hear so much in, uh, in, in, in news and in current cultural settings about white privilege. I know some rich white people, and I know some poor white people. I, I, I know some poor white people that have asked the right question. Where, what happened to my white privilege? I must have missed it. And, and so it's not always an end-all, be-all uh, that white people are going to have Privilege. Uh, I, here, here's the one. I've, I've been telling people this since this whole phrase came out. Do you know what Trump's white privilege? You ready? Pretty privilege. See, see, see the, the, the pretty black people in the room are smiling right now because they know. They got over like Rover to Casanova regardless of the melanin in their skin because they had pretty privilege. 
Now, now let, me, let me help everybody in the room because everybody's not going to have white privilege. Everybody's not going to have pretty privilege. But the best privilege that you can have is favor of God privilege because that overcomes every level of anything man tries to do to you. And so if, if you live in a racist country, in a predominantly white country, and you don't fit that melanin level that, that, that gets, gets you a leg up, then, then you got to lean in on God. Listen, if you're if you just ugly, well, I just believe everybody's pretty. Come on now. Well, Pastor, beauty's only skin deep. Yeah, but ugly's down to the bone. Hey, man, I tell people. They're like, well, you're fat. And I'm like, yeah, but I could lose weight if I wanted to. Y'all not getting me. Stop blaming other people for you not being where you want to be in life. Because if you're a Christian, you can trump the system. You can trump Trump. You can trump everything with the favor of God. If you get the favor of God on your life, nothing can hold you down. But to get the favor of God on your life, you got to do what he tells you to do. And he says you must. Somebody say must. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You need to start hanging an attitude checker around your neck every time you wake up in the morning. What's your attitude about the day? You're supposed to spend time in, in prayer and Bible study before you leave the house. What's your attitude about that? You're supposed to treat people like God would treat people. What's your attitude about that? You're supposed to work hard for your employer as unto the Lord. What's your attitude about that? You're supposed to love, honor, and cherish your spouse. What's your attitude? Listen, there's attitude in everything. There's attitude in the way you drive. Some, man, some of y'all, I, hey, I don't know about you. I've ridden with some people. I'd rather, I, I'd rather sleep and drive than ride with some of y'all. Because at least I sleep, I, I drive and I sleep drive defensively. You're never going to see me up on somebody's bumper. They cut me off. Oh, they did? Oh, so right on their bumper. So when they slam on brakes, you hit them and you get the ticket. That's brilliant thinking. So ride so close on their bumper that you get in a wreck and kill two or three people. Well, that's just, they cut you off. So you got to speed up and cut them. I'll show them. It's retarded. It's just showing that your attitude is stank. So you got to ask yourself, coming into 2022, how is your attitude? I'm telling y'all, man, Patty LaBelle, some of y'all just don't know, but Patty told the truth. We got to get what? A new attitude. And that's what's available to you in Christ. Well, I was, I've had this type of thought process my whole life. God's about change. Well, I wasn't raised to be kind and loving. God is about change. Well, that's not typically where my mind goes automatically. Do you know everyone has a default switch to where their mind goes automatically? There are certain people in the room um, where... Uh, like, I'll take my sister. My sister is probably one of the most conflict-adverse, peacemaker, people-pleasing human beings you're ever going to meet in your life. If you walked up to my sister, if you walked past my sister in the hallway and you shoulder her real hard and you make it obvious that you did that on purpose, she's not going to swing on you. She's, she's going she's gonna to get her feelings hurt. She's going to, why, God, did they do that to me? All I try to do is to be the best administrator I can be and just be a, and, and that's what, now there's other people in this room. My mom waved her hand. Go ahead and try that with my mom. You're going to catch her purse in the back of your head with, hey, you see me walking here? Wrong with you. Look, I'll pull this hairpin out and stab you to death. Different people have different default attitude. Some people's default attitude is peaceful. Others is violent. Some people's default attitude is understanding, love, joy, and happiness. Other people's default is, I will kill you if you breathe wrong. And it doesn't matter what your default attitude is. We all have to obey the Word of God. So for some people, change is going to come harder for others. See, we, we, I just stay, stay on my family because mom raised her hand and Dina don't have no choice because she gets a check. The default attitude in my mom and in my sister are, are very different. 
but they're both bound to this comment, this, this, this verse of Scripture, this command, because they're both Christians. Now, it, come, it comes easier. This, this particular attitude thing comes easier for compliant people. But sometimes, how many of y'all, anybody ever met one of passive-aggressive people? Oh, no. I, uh, see, I'd rather, I meet, I, I'd rather you be like my mom. Just cuss me out now. Don't plot on me for nine years, you passive-aggressive people. Passive-aggressive people, you shoulder them real hard, and they're going to be like, oh, okay. <laughs> and in their mind, for the next 12 years, they are plotting on you. Every time they see you, it's, in, should I get them today? They're going to And in their mind, they live on this, on this comment, when you least expect it. Isn't that right? So it doesn't matter where you fall on default. You're not exempt from the command of God if you're saved. Well, it's not as easy for me to be nice as it comes to your sister. It doesn't matter. It's not as easy for me to be nice as it is for her. I got a lot going on up here. But if I'm going to be who God wants me to be, I have got to choose the way of God, the will of God, as revealed in the word of God. Can somebody say amen? We, 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 we must have this same attitude. and So, so God tells us, that we, need to, we, that we need to think the way Jesus thinks, and we need to have the same attitude that Jesus has. Uh, to be able to do this, we need to know what Jesus thought and what his attitude was like. Now, let me just ask you this. This is an easy one. Does anybody think Jesus had a stank attitude? Does anybody think Jesus had a, if you mess with the bull, you get the horns attitude? Does anybody think Jesus had a, well, you started it, and by God, I'm going to finish it attitude? No, these are not Christian thoughts. And if you want to know how Christ thought, it's very easy. Just get into the Gospels. Every year, I give you a book of the month. Our current book of the month is the book of Philippians, which we're looking at today. But strategically, throughout every 12-month period, I work in all four Gospels every year. It's the only four books that we are guaranteed that we will have as a book of the month. Why? Because I want us to stay in the Gospels. Because it's in the Gospels that you see uh, the life of Christ most clearly. You see the recorded history of the life of Christ. And you see the words that Jesus spoke while he was here. And the same words that he said then, he's saying now. The same way he acted then, he acts now. And we need to get to know him Better, somebody say amen. That's our theme for 2022, to know him and to make him known. What's that mean? To know God better, to know him more, to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Bible commands us to. Look at verse 6. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Even though he was God in human flesh, he didn't hold on to that on a daily basis. That's what that means. Though he was God. See, if you don't know this much, you need to know. Jesus was God forever. He is God forever. God has chosen to manifest himself differently. And about 2,000 years ago, God clothed himself in flesh, came to this earth, born in a cave, in Bethlehem, and we called him Jesus. And he was God in human flesh, but he didn't think of his equality with God as something to cling to. Now, I want you to see how very different we are. And this is why we have to fight against ourself. We have to deny ourselves. We have to die to ourselves. These are all biblical mandates. Jesus was God, but he didn't think of his equality with God as something to cling to. Do you know why we let our attitudes get stank? Do you know why we give people a piece of our mind? Do you know why we get upset when people slight us? Because in our minds, we're better than that. I don't know who you think you're talking to. Well, who am I talking to? Human being? Not special? Oh, I, I am. We walk around thinking that, that we've got so much going on that uh, I just ain't going to tolerate any kind of thing. Why not? Say it how I feel. Who is you? Who are you 
to be so special in your mind that nobody can't, can't, can't stress you. Life is full of it. Everybody goes through stuff. The Bible says the struggles that you go through are common with your brethren throughout the world. Listen, the one person who ever lived in a human body that could have said, oh, no, you didn't. Why, why do people have flashed through their mind? Oh, no, he didn't. What that means is I know you're not going to talk to me that way. And, and, and the Bible tells us not to think more highly of ourselves than we should. Why does the Bible call, command us not to think more highly of ourselves than we should? Because we do. Oh, you ain't about to talk to me any kind of way. Oh, you ain't cutting me off on it. Oh, no, you, you, ain't about to, you ain't about to shoot me no bird out your window and, and not get, see? In our minds, we're like, oh, no, you, that might work with everybody else, but you ain't going to step to me like that. All this is this inflated self-view that says, I'm too good to deserve negative treatment. Jesus was God in the flesh, but he didn't cling to his deity. He humbled himself. He didn't tell people, oh, no, you didn't. People did all kinds of contrary things to Jesus, and he took it, and he took it, and he took it. I hear people say this constantly. Well, what am I supposed to be? Am I supposed to just let the world walk all over me? Well, it depends on the scenario. But did Jesus let the world walk all over him? Wasn't he able at any point to, to have stopped their aggression toward him? Or, or did he not have any choices? He had choices. He could have stopped the crucifixion. He could have stopped the beating. He could have stopped the people from treating him poorly. He could have stopped all of it. But you know what he did? He humbled himself. Let's, let's keep reading. In verse 7, it says, instead, instead of what? Instead of clinging to his godhood, in, in, instead of walking around thinking, oh, no, you ain't about to talk to me like that. I'm the one true God. See, we walk around with this God in our, complex in our mind, and listen, you think you don't, but you do. You think you don't value yourself more highly than you should, but when you feel aggressed by others and it stings you, you, you then, then you do, because here's the reality. What, it's a question, what does every human being on this earth deserve in eternity? Heaven or hell? Oh, we all deserve hell. Because every human being on this planet is evil and wicked by nature. Every human being on this planet, and some more so than others, but every human being on this planet is sinful by birth. When you were born, the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, we were born dead in trespasses and sin. That's why we need the new birth. The Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked, so much so that you can't even understand it. So anytime you feel the sting of someone else, you need to realize, I'm not thinking the way Jesus would have me think. I'm not thinking the way Jesus thought because when people did aggressive things toward Jesus, he didn't bow up. He didn't even have to flex and push it down because there was none of that in him. He was empty of all that. We need to learn how to get empty of all that. Verse 7 says, instead, instead of thinking you're all that, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. Now, if someone asked you, are you willing to take less than other people have because that's what God wants for your life? Most people would cringe at that thought. See, nobody chooses, nobody, nobody chooses poverty over riches. Nobody chooses sickness over health. Nobody chooses difficulty over a life of ease. But what if that's the path God has for you? Are you willing to walk that path with a good attitude? Well, see, and they've developed an entire line of false theology that says God wants to bless everybody, wants everybody. Everybody can't be on top. If everybody's on top, that's not on top, that's on average. Everybody's not a king and a queen. If everybody's a king and a queen, they're not ruling over everybody. Somebody's got to be servant-hearted. Somebody's got to be less than. What if that's God's plan for you? Remember what Jesus told Peter when, 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 when Je or what Peter said to Jesus when Jesus told Peter, you're going to die just the same way I die. And Peter said, well, what about him? 
And he pointed at John because he knew John was Jesus' favorite. I, I, I love all you parents that swear y'all don't have favorites. And you got your own thoughts about it. I'm not even going to get into it. But Peter knew John was closer to Jesus than anybody else. And he said, well, what about him? I'm going to have to die. What about him? Anybody remember what Jesus said? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus told him, stop worrying about him. What I do with him is none of your business. He's got a road to travel, and you've got a road to travel. And yours is going to end in violent, painful, horrible, excruciating crucifixion. And his ain't. Deal with it. Well, I just don't think that's right, Reverend. Why should one person have more and the other person have less? Because that's how God is. It's his world. It's his rules. He gets to decide. I, I... I could spend my whole day asking God, well, God, why am I wound up this way? Why is it so much easier for some people to to tolerate aggression than it is for me? Um, Because here's the reality. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. When people are aggressing me, I need God more than you do. Uh, Because I've got a default switch that I'm very honest about. And I have to choose the mind of God in the face of aggression. Uh, and, but every time I do it, let me tell you what happens. I, I have a spirit of rejoicing come over me that says, I know I'm saved, and I thank God you let me choose right, because if I would have just jumped through their face and killed them, it had been on a newspaper, and it had been shameful to God. Don't waste time with God asking you why it's so hard for you to do what he called you to do. Just be about doing it. No parent wants to sit down and hear you say, but it's hard. Boy, you better make A's and maybe a B. Uh, or, or, but but I can't, it's, it's, uh, that means I have to do my homework. Boy, you better make A's and B's. But it's hard. I don't want to hear that. You know what I tell my kids? My kids have in stupidity uh, at times told me it was a certain class was hard. And here's what I tell them. And this ain't polite and this ain't Christian, but I'm going to just give you a peek in it anyway. I tell them, look here. You're going to a public school system. This ain't private school. This ain't hard. Half retarded people are going to school making A's and B's. If you can't make A's and B's in public school, just quit every life now. That's how I feel. I mean, how, how many of y'all, how many y'all really think? Y'all, well, Pastor, they, they, I know they got more homework than we had. If you're my, I graduated from Medway High School. I missed 37 days my third nine weeks. 37 out of 45. I wasn't sick. I just wasn't going to school. I still graduated. Now, if you're my age, you know, school wasn't about nothing. Listen, it's harder than what we went through, but it's still doable. Somebody say amen. No parent want to hear, but it's so hard. I don't know why. So people just be trying me all the time. Listen, pass the test and it won't keep happening to you. Some of y'all are going to keep taking the same test in life because you won't pass it. And God's going to keep giving you that test again and again and again. And, and the reality is most of us value ourselves better than we should. We think we deserve more than we have. And that's why our attitude gets bad. Well, I don't know who they think they are to talk to me like that. The better question is who do you think you are that puts you above being talked to like that? Jesus was mistalked to. Jesus was misunderstood. Jesus was treated less than people should have treated him. There's a lot of things as a Christian that you just have to decide, I just can't be who I want to be all the time. You have a choice to make. You can choose his attitude or your attitude. You can choose his thoughts or his thoughts. You can choose his ways or your ways. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes it is not easy to choose his ways over your ways. But it's commanded, and it's rewarded when you make the right choice. I have been on both sides of the fence, and if you follow God long enough, there are going to be times in your life where you chose right, and God blessed you for it, or you chose wrong, and God chastised you for it. It's the same as it's been from the beginning. God puts a choice before us to to do what he says or to not. Verse 8 says, He, being Jesus, humbled himself in obedience to God, and died a criminal's death on a cross. Now, does anybody in this room, well, let's just get everybody involved. Uh, do you think that Jesus deserved to die a criminal's death on the cross? Absolutely not. 
But it was God's plan for his life, so he did it. Remember what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane. He told God, I don't want this. if, If there could be any other way, if I can stay completely obedient to you any other way, if there's another way, God, let it happen different because I don't want this this way. But no matter what, your will and not my will. People walk around. Not my will be done, but thy will be done. And I'm like, you're awful quotey today. But do you feel that? Do you live that? Jesus didn't deserve to die a criminal's death, but that was what God sent him. The Bible says that it was for this purpose that he was sent forth. He came to die. He didn't deserve it. He didn't deserve to be spat on. He didn't deserve to be yelled at. He didn't deserve to be beaten. He didn't deserve to be abandoned, but he went through it. The Bible says for the joy. That was set before him. He endured the cross. You got to understand, whatever you endure for God, there's a blessing on the other side of it. And we need to learn how to choose his thoughts over our thoughts. We need to learn how to choose his ways over our ways just by looking at our perfect example, Jesus Christ. Verse 9 says, therefore, I tell you every time when you see the word therefore in Scripture, you need to stop and think what is therefore. It means because of the things I've just said. God elevated him to the highest place of honor and gave him the name above all other names. Because Jesus chose God's way over his own way. Because Jesus chose the difficult path over the path that he would have rather had. Because he humbled himself, God elevated him. And this principle is taught throughout Scripture. Humble yourself and God will exalt you. And I've told you many times, I'll tell you again and we'll get out of here. You have a choice to either humble yourself, which leads to God elevating you, or you can be humbled by God, which is a very humiliating process. And you don't want that. It, it, and it's, it's, it's one of the old expressions in lots of personal development courses is life has pain. That's the bad news. The good news is you get to choose the pain that you live. You can choose the pain of doing the right thing because many times the right thing is painful. You can choose the pain of doing the right thing and reap all the benefits that come from doing the right thing. Or you can choose the pain of regret for not doing the right thing and being regretful for all of your life that you didn't end up how you should have ended up. You get to choose. Do you want the pain of choosing the right way? Or do you want the pain of regret because you didn't choose the right way? Verse 10 says, At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Come on, Victor. Jesus went through hard things. He never looked at anybody and says, oh, you ain't about to talk to me like that. I'm the son of God. Oh, you ain't about to get away with that. I can do you in. He never acted out that way. And God tells us we need to choose his attitude. That's not easy, but it's commanded. And the choice is yours. Are you going to go through this day being led by and governed by your own thoughts, your own desires, your own determined will, your own default switch? Or are you going to live your life in accordance with God's word and let the mind of Christ be in you? Are you going to live your life governed by the thoughts and the ways of Jesus Christ? Or are you just going to, well, I'm going to do me. I got to keep it 100. Well, how's that working out for you? I can tell you in the spirit realm, that's deficient. God does not want any of us to do me he wants us to do he and it's not about my ways it's about his ways and it's not about what we think we should behave like it's about what he commands us to behave like so here at the beginning of a brand new year we all need to make this choice that says I am going to rely on the mind of Christ I'm going to think the way he thinks I'm going to have my attitude be a reflection of his attitude. I'm going to live the way he wants me 
to live. Because that's a life that he'll bless. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The only way to have that righteousness, which is right standing with God, that peace in your mind in, in, in the midst of difficult situations, and that joy in all things is to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. See things the way your father sees things. Have your attitude be a reflection of the Lord's attitude. Because if Jesus can set aside all that he is to be obedient to God's very difficult plan for his life, then we should too. This false theology that says that come to Jesus and everything's going to be fine and dandy like hard rock candy, that's just a myth. It's not reflected in the scripture. It's not reflected through the life of the apostles and the prophets. I'm going to be very blunt, very honest with you. If you choose the way of God, the way of God for his only begotten son was the way of suffering why would you think it's all going to be ease and please for you it's not see the bible tells us that he's glorified when we go through hardships and we make the right choice see if something comes easy to my son and he accomplishes it eh, it's okay but if he really had to work hard to accomplish it even when he didn't want to but he did it to make me happy then I see greatness in that. How hard are you working to reject your first thought? There's a principle, I don't have time to get into it, but it's a principle called moving in the opposite spirit or moving in the opposite direction. The opposite of what? That first thought that comes to your mind. See, the first thought that comes to your mind will more than likely be the natural thought. The, the natural ad- attitude. So, somebody does something wrong to you. Oh, no, you didn't. And hear me. What you're saying is, I'm too good to deserve that treatment. Jesus didn't think that way. When somebody does something ridiculous to you, you just need to accept it, pray for them, and move on. That's really hard for some people. But whether it's hard for you or easy for you, If Jesus can set aside everything and be obedient to God's will, so can you. Because I know this for sure. (laughs) If you read the book of the Revelation, there's a verse in there where God knows people are complaining and they're thinking it's too hard. And Jesus tells them, none of you have resisted unto blood. You you, you, you You haven't shed your blood and died for your faith the way Jesus did. Christians in this day and age are willing to deal with so little when God wants to use us to do so much. But you got to be willing to let his mind govern you, to let his thoughts become your thoughts, his attitude to be your attitude. When it comes to the Father, Jesus' attitude to the Father was to always be obedient and to exalt him in everything. When it came to Jesus' attitude about other human beings, it was to show them love more than they could ever deserve, even in the midst of their foul treatment. When it came to his destiny, Jesus' attitude was to embrace it even though it be difficult. God requires no less of us. So I want you to make a determination today. Let his thoughts lead you more than your thoughts. When you feel yourself about to give someone a piece of your mind, remember, I can let the mind of Christ be in me if I choose to. And I promise you this, it's a better life. It's a much better life. Although sometimes the road might be difficult, God knows the right road for us. Many of us would not have chosen the journey that we're on to be our journey. I know I wouldn't. My life story is not the life story I would have chosen for me. But it's the life God laid out for me. God laid out a life for Jesus that endured suffer, that involved suffering. But here's the reality. The pain of this life has a purpose for the Christian. Sometimes it's just so you can grow from it. Sometimes it's so other people can see you endure it. But the question remains, do you want to live how he wants you to live? 
Or do you just want to go through life doing you? Break free from this curse of current culture. I'm going to do me. And embrace the eternal concept of choosing the thoughts that God has. The attitude that God has. Think of what life would be if all Christians started being led by the mind of Christ. It would affect so much. It would affect so much. It would affect, it would affect the way we, we relate to God. It would affect the way we relate to people. It would affect our praise and worship. It would affect our thankfulness. It would affect our giving. How much did Jesus give? Gave all of it. We need to let his mind be in us. The only way for that to happen is to get to know him. Get in the word. Let the word get in you. Learn about Jesus. And you'll find out that his way is a better way. Pray with me. God, thank you for showing us your way. And God, I pray that you would rule my mind and my attitude. God, I ask you to forgive me for where I've chosen my own way. And I pray in this year you would let us choose you more than we choose ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.